We'll start with the set-aside prayer. God, please set aside everything I think I know about you, the steps, recovery, the big book, what's best for me, what's best for others. Especially help me let go of all my old ideas so I can live on your spiritual truth. Heavenly Father, have mercy on me. Help me to carry your message today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we, uh, we lost one of our regulars um, from this disease, and I just found out about it last night, and it was pretty unsettling. I'd known him for three years. We tried to work the steps. I tried to get him to reach out, and to he went to treatment recently and uh, called me every day, and uh, then the day he got out, he was going to he was doing great. He drank. And somebody said, well, why didn't he wait a couple of days? I said, he's, we're alcoholics. Uh, we have no power. And apparently, uh, we stopped seeing him. We reached out, but we didn't hear anything. And then I found out that he, he had died. And so I was thinking about the first step and thinking about uh, my son, obviously, and then the grace of God. And uh, wow because he was only 51, and he was really a nice man. Um, he couldn't let go of himself. He couldn't let go and reach out and trust other people. He just had a real problem with, uh, with that. And so, but he was a wonderful guy. Um, so on page 53, I'm just going to go back, because we had some discussion after about the bridge of reason and why it's capitalized and why reason's capitalized. And it says, when I became alcoholics, when we became alcoholics, and notice the past tense, I went through this. And we're going to go through this paragraph when we look at fear, because this is the question that really has to do, why do I have fear? when we do the fear inventory. And for those who are familiar, there's the second step proposition exercise that deals with this question on fear. And it says, so when I'm crushed by the self-imposed crisis, I could not postpone or evade. And that's what happened to me. I was crushed. I couldn't postpone or evade it anymore. And that was good, because then I had to fearlessly face, I had to fearlessly face the proposition he's got is everything or he's nothing. That's the question. And the reason I uh, could not postpone or evade is because I was completely done. I realized I couldn't fix it. I was completely done. And when I, at the time, it was not a great experience. But as soon as I admitted I was done to myself and asked God to help me, so I, I knew that there was God and he could help me. I started to feel better. I can't explain it. I felt like there was some hope, and then things happened, and I'm here today. It's, what, 22 years later or something? So we had to face the question, God is everything or else he's nothing, because if God's nothing, then there's no hope for me, right? And God either is or he isn't. And so here's the key. What is my choice to be? Am I going to live on reason or live on faith? Because if God's nothing, then I worship the God of reasoning, my reasoning. And so then they, the next line is arrived at that point where we see that God, we have to see that God is everything or nothing. 
we have to confront the question of faith. So they're talking here now in this chapter about how we get to faith, true trust in God, and not just believing, which is on page 47, which is the second step question, but that we want to be going to trust in God and not ourselves. And then the, the rest of the how it works through into actions, how do we do that? How do we go from God of reasoning to the God of faith and trust who can really manage my life? And it says we couldn't duck the issue. And some of them had already walked far over the bridge of reason. It's capitalized, bridge of reason, towards the desired shore of faith. So we're, we're walking over this bridge of reasoning, which is my reasoning and my bridge, or I thought it could be God is the bridge. And we're walking over the, the bridge that God provides from reason to the desired shore of faith. And, but we have to cross it. And we ha the outlines and promise of the new land have brought luster to tired eyes and fresh courage to flagging spirits. Because I think a lot of people try to get from this bridge of reason to the shore of faith and they just can't, they just can't step ashore. Friendly hands had stretched out, welcome. We were grateful that reason, capital R, my reasoning had brought us so far, but somehow we couldn't quite step ashore. And I think that's why people die in AA. They can't quite leave their God of reasoning to the God who's of faith and trust, the real God, couldn't quite step ashore. Why? Because we can't destroy our self-centeredness. And I also wrote, we can't let go of my old ideas. I can't drop my rock. Perhaps we had been leaning too heavily on reason that last mile, capital R, and we did not like to lose our support. And I think that's what they're talking about. Am I willing to let go completely, abandon myself completely to God? That's what the third step prayer says. After it says, remember, we thought well before taking this step, making sure we're ready to abandon myself completely to God and not to myself. Because if I hold back any area of my life, then I'm going to have fear and I'll manage it and then I'll have be irritable, restless, discontent, and then I'll drink. And so they're talking about that. And then in the next uh, page, um, it says, I had confidence in my ability to think, and that was wrong because my thinking was wrong. And I had faith in that. And I had faith in my thinking when I came in here. But what AA did was show me that my thinking was wrong. My thinking was my problem because my thinking led to my actions. And my thinking called me caused me to see the world a certain way, and then I didn't like it. And they described that on 60 to 63. Remember the arrangements where the, we were the actor directing the world? And then they t say how that we had been worshipers and we worshiped ourselves, worshiped people, sentiment, things, money. And those were the things we worshiped. We weren't worshiping God. And so uh, uh, in, in the uh, Gospel of Luke, he says several times, you can't serve two masters. So either God is my master or myself. 
And then um, they talked about, um, on page 55, um, that we were trying to see uh, reasoning to prove that um, uh, something, but we had to let go of that and see it through other people. And that's what we do in AA. We see people who've, who've, who've recovered from a hopeless condition, mind and body, and they didn't have any more power than I had when I came in. And it wasn't self-help, it was God help. And so that proved to me the existence of God. I'd already always believed in God, but seeing what had happened and hearing people share their experience, strength, and hope, it proved to me that there was a God and he could work in my life if I did what they did. And that's what this book is all about. And then it comes, um, and, and it says, we had seen spiritual release but we like to tell ourselves it wasn't true. You see, they're still arguing. But then it says, actually, we were fooling ourselves. Because did you fool yourself? I did for a long time. For deep down inside me and every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God. Now, I, I always believed in God, but I never let him work in my life. And I believe God was out there, up there, in some place, and he didn't want anything to do with me. And I certainly didn't want to talk, be in front of him because of the, you know, I wasn't worthy. But it was deep down in every part of us, in our conscious, and, and that's true if you look at the history of mankind. There's always been some worship of something greater than ourselves. And in AA, we believe it's deep down inside of us, and we can find that by getting rid of everything that blocks us from that. And that's how we allow God to work in my life, and I learn to trust God, because I've let go of everything, and I try to do it today that isn't God, and let him run my life. And it says we obscure this uh, God by calamity, by pomp, ostentatious worship by worship of other things, ourselves, money, approval. There's so many things we could put in there. But in some form or other, it's there. It is there, the fundamental idea, but we've blocked it. And we don't even realize that I was the actor running the show, that I was playing the role of director, and that wasn't the right role for me. For faith in a power greater than ourselves and miraculous demonstrations of power of human lives or facts as old as man himself. And the best thing I've read about this, besides the Book of Romans, is uh, C.S. Lewis' Mere Christianity, where he talks about how we've always had this relationship with this power in some way. We could see it. And um, it's always been there. So here it says, they finally saw that faith. So they're talking about going from belief to faith. And that's what the rest of the book is about. We finally saw that faith in some kind of God was part of our makeup. It's part of us. Just as much as the feeling we have for a friend. I, I love Stu, he's a friend. I love Ryan, wow, everybody in the room. 
and I can have that same kind of feeling about God. But how do I get it? I had to search fearlessly, and that's our fourth step, searching fearless moral inventory of my thinking so I can get rid of the, my thinking that's blocked me from God, my resentments, my fears, my shame and guilt. And when we peel all that away, we see the person that God created and we see God. And I still, um, you know, the thing about Michelangelo I mentioned last time, how did he carve David? He said, I just carved away everything that wasn't David. And that's what we try to do in AA is carve away all the stuff that we've accumulated, all the mud and crap we've put on our lives and peel it away and we can see the person God created. I created the, the person that was a mess, not God. And that's, that's the thing I see. So when I look back on my life, and I do have, I still have uh, uh, regrets about a lot of the decisions I made and this and that. But the thing I keep telling myself is that I made them because I was running the show and not God. And that I had the wrong manager. And I didn't know I had the wrong manager. I wasn't a bad person. I just had the wrong manager. And uh, I had the delusion that if I just managed well, everything would be okay. Well, guess what? It got me a wristband. And so we have to forgive ourselves because we had the wrong manager. Now, when God's managing my life, excuse me, and I look back, all the things that have happened that he did that I didn't, it was miraculous. God has done for me what I could not do for myself. He was as much a fact as we were, capital H. So I, I could find that when we pray and we ask him to remove anger, it happens, right? When we ask him to remove fear and direct attention to my higher be, it happens. If I follow those directions, if I practice the amends, my shame and guilt goes away. If I'm staying close to God, I won't have shame and guilt because I won't take actions that put me in a position to be harmed and harmed others. And he is a fact. And I have found the great reality deep down inside of me. I, I have found it. Not that I'm great or anything, but I know God exists. Now, I still whack him out sometimes. I say, why did I do that? You know, why did I stay disturbed for five minutes? It's ridiculous. We found the great reality, you know, capital G-R, deep down within us. And it's in the last analysis when you do all this, quote, self-analysis that people try to do in AA, we don't want to do that. We want to analyze the stuff that's blocking me from God. And when we finally get done with that, what do we find? We find him. And that's what it's, the whole deal is. Step four isn't some long confession and dramatic uh, thing. It's a desire to face and be rid of the things that are blocking me from the great reality. And to see how resentments are just futile. And my fears are futile and stupid. And I don't have to take bad actions and harm people anymore. And I'm willing to make amends to them, which frees me from shame and guilt. It says we can only clear the ground a bit. So if their testimony, the testimony that they're giving, one, helps sweep away my prejudice. 
my prejudice about God, about the steps, about doing this, letting go, whatever my old ideas are. Prejudice could be old ideas, prejudgments. Enables me to think honestly, encourages me to search, search diligently within myself to find this God, to find my uh, power and relate to it. Then if I wish, so it's up to me, it's up to you, you can join me, us on the broad highway. Do you want to stay on your highway or do you want to be on their highway? That's really the choice. And to do that, all you have to do is get rid of your old ideas of prejudgment, try to be honest as best you can, and search diligently within myself. Do the steps. With this attitude, you cannot fail. That's a pretty strong statement. So who fails? People who can't sweep away their prejudice, enable themselves to think honestly, and can't search diligently within themselves. And there are those who can and cannot do this. They're constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. They can't be honest about their prejudice. They can't be honest about searching fearlessly. They can't see the truth of their situation. They can't face that the God of reason can't, can't do it anymore. It has to be the God of true, the true God of faith and trust, a power greater than me. And it says, the consciousness of my belief is sure to come to me. That's a great promise. The conscious contact with God. The, conscious, the belief becomes conscious, and then it becomes trust. We start with belief in the beginning, and I hadn't seen that before. And then through the steps, this consciousness of this belief becomes knowledge of God and true faith. And then it says, some end us this chapter. So faith is the consciousness of my belief. It's God, trust in God. In this book, you will read the experience of a man who thought he was an atheist. His story is so interesting that some of it should be told now. His change of heart was dramatic, convincing, and moving. Can you change your heart? And when you change your, your heart, you change your feet. That's what I wrote here. You start taking the actions so that you can find the consciousness of your faith. You can talk all you want in AA. It's what your feet do that makes the difference. Talk won't change me. Action changes me. Our friend was a minister's son. He attended church school where he became rebellious at what he thought an overdose of religious education. I can see that. We get rebellious. For years thereafter, he was dogged by trouble and frustration. Business failure, insanity, fatal illness, suicide. These calamities in his immediate family embittered and depressed him. He had post-war disillusionment and ever more serious alcoholism. Impending mental and physical collapse brought him to the point of self-destruction. And that's what uh, I heard about last night. And who, who was destroying me? I was. Self-destruction by self. Worship of myself, other things. Blocking God out. 
One night, confined in a, when confined in a hospital, he's approached by an alcoholic who had known a spiritual experience. So you see, we have the power from having a spiritual experience that our experience and our approach can change someone's life. Our witness. We don't know how, when that will happen. I don't know how many people have been to the meeting through the years that have not come back or something, but something may have happened in this meeting. It's not me, it's God. Works through people that made them change and who knows what happened. I gave a big book to somebody and uh, they threw me out of the house and we talked a little bit and they didn't want to hear anything. And then three years later, he's going to AA meetings. And he's sober now. That was like 18 years ago. You never know. Remember what they say in working with others, give him the book. Maybe he'll read it. You never know. The book was how they related their spiritual experience and what they did to the new person. Our friend's gorge. It's a throat rise with revulsion. Anybody get revulsion? at certain things. It's not a common word anymore, but it's not good. Our friend's gorge rose as he bitterly cried out, and this is typical alcoholism. If there is a God, he certainly hasn't done anything for me. You know, well, there you go. Okay, God, well, you haven't done anything for me, but have we done anything for God? And who keeps God from doing things for me? We do. But later, alone in his room, he asked himself this question. And I think this was God talking to him. Is it possible that all the religious people I've known are wrong? Could it be possible that everybody in AA has been wrong? Is it possible? You know, we're sitting here with a wristband dying, and I'm evaluating the people at the meeting. How ridiculous is that? But we do it, right? Because we don't give up on ourselves. But when I came, I, I, I was done. And I actually asked this man to be my sponsor. And I didn't know really too much about him, except that he talked about his story a little bit and how he came and he cried down the steps. And they had him stay there that night. And he cried like a baby. And he was just completely done. And he was older than me. And he, was about 15 years old or something. And I, after the meeting, I just came up, I said, would you sponsor me? And something made me do that, which for me was not something I normally did. I'd met, you know, quote, the physician's group, you know, the, the, the people who were too good to go to regular AA. We had that in Topeka, by the way. And we had another secret group for the people who didn't want anybody to know they were alcoholics. but. I went to the, to the clubhouse they have here, and I asked him, and I didn't realize that that was the husband of the, of the woman I talked to at the Board of Healing Arts that Friday. And I'd just gotten home, and I told her I was going to go to the meeting the next day at the club, and she sent her husband there. Isn't that something? I get emotional, I just think about it. And then he ended up having cancer, becoming my patient. And then six years later, on a Friday, I went over there, it was actually D-Day, and he was dying and he couldn't breathe. And, 
and I held his hand and she held the other hand and I said it's okay Cliff it's okay to let go and he just he just died and we was, how do you explain how you go from a hopeless condition mind and body to going to a meeting on a Saturday to meeting this man to actually being there you can't explain it to people and they don't understand if they're not alcoholics and um, so he said he asked himself is it possible that all these religious people have done a wrong while pondering the answer he felt as though he lived in hell so he could he was he was in a bad place then like a thunderbolt a great thought came and these are the thoughts from God it crowded out all else and the thought says I could be wrong I might be wrong so he had to let go of his old ideas or the result was nil you see and the first idea he had to let go of was God and God hadn't done anything and it said here's a question in italics who am I to say there is no God and I need to remember that I've met a lot of people who don't want to talk about God and or they don't believe in God or this and that you know it's the usual they don't like me a lot of people now don't like me because I talk about God too much I've heard that you know how people talk and some people have come up and told me I just can't come back anymore you talk about God too much I said well that's okay I'll still be here when you're ready come back we love you who are you to say there is no God that's why we have to be broken we have to be humbled to be able to make this work and we have to be open to, to everything to God's power this man recounts that he tumbled out of bed to his knees in a few seconds he was overwhelmed by conviction of the presence of God and conviction is a firmly held belief now you don't all have to do that have this experience to recover but they're giving you that experience here because this was a man who was willing to let go of all of his prejudice think honestly and search fearlessly it poured over and through him with the certainty and majesty of a great tide at flood the barriers quote that he had built he had built the barriers through the years were swept away and he stood in the presence capital P of infinite power and love he had stepped from bridge to shore so we talked a little bit about the bridge of reason in the beginning he stepped from the bridge of reason to the shore of faith and he had the conviction of the presence of God it poured over and through him certainty and majesty the barriers he built were swept away so he could then step ashore he could live the bridge of reason and step onto the shore of faith because until we get off the bridge of reason we're not going to make it for the first time he lived in conscious companionship with his creator that's such a powerful paragraph now I don't know if that happened to me immediately but it has happened to me and and I can I can relate to that today and I could see how I had built the barriers I have the conviction the presence of God today I talk to him all the time it's I've won the sure faith but that's still doesn't mean that I don't go back to the bridge of reason you get it 
I do that all the time. But I have, I'm, I'm pretty close to the shore faith, so I may put my foot in the water. You get it? But I don't have to dive in and swim across to the other side anymore, because I have the steps. For the first time, he lived in conscious, created. Thus was our friend's cornerstone fixed in place. Remember, the cornerstone of the arch we build to freedom. And the foundation is willingness, cornerstone is belief. We're going to read about the keystone, is the decision not to play God, that God's going to be my director. And then the other steps, four through nine, we go through the arch and we enter the world of the spirit on page 84. And the promises, I think, that we read at every meeting are the promises that happen when I walk through that arch. Now, the problem is that I can walk through the arch, but I don't have to stay there. It's, it, we can move back and forth, and we don't. So we use steps 10 and 11 and 12 to stay across through the arch. And if we do them, and we don't have to do them perfectly, we never get back to leaving the world of the spirit. We, we stay there with God. And as long as we're in the world of the spirit, to some extent, we have a power not to drink. And we have a power to run our lives. That later vicissitude, which I wrote down, change in circumstances has shaken it. His alcoholic problem was taken away. That very night years ago, it disappeared, save for a brief few brief moments of temptation, the thought of drink has never returned. Now, the reasons they wrote the spiritual experience in the second edition was because people thought that this had to happen to everybody like this to recover. And they explained that sometimes these spiritual happen quickly and sometimes slowly. But whenever they happen, you realize that God is doing for you what not, you could not do for yourself. And so, Seemingly, he could not drink even if he would. God had restored his sanity. And that's what I need, God, to restore my sanity towards alcohol and towards my thinking all the time. Now, I don't know that I, uh, I'm going to drink today. I haven't really thought about it till now. But I, I don't want to get back into my thinking and separate from God in my thinking and be disturbed at all today. What is this but a miracle of healing? That's what it is. Because we can't take a pill that's going to do this. You can't go to group and have this happen. Self-knowledge won't do this. It's a miracle. And here is its elements. Circumstances made him willing to believe. Have circumstances made you willing to believe? If you're new, have circumstances made you willing to believe? Then have you humbly offered yourself to his maker? And then he knew. No longer agnostic. See, he started out where agnostic, but then he knew he had a relationship with God. Even so has God restored us all to our right minds. To this man, the revolution was sudden. Some of us grow into more slowly. But here's a powerful promise. He has come to all who have honestly sought him. And what is the ABCs? God can and would if he were sought. And all I have to do in AA is be a seeker. And if I'm a seeker, God will find me. And Stu and I listened to uh, the story about Zacchaeus. And there were two seekers. 
he was the tax collector in the tree and he was seeking to see Christ, but Christ was seeking him too. See, God's seeking us. And when we seek him, then we're going to be found. But unless we're seeking, his seeking won't do us any good because we're separated. We have to honestly seek him. And when he drew near to him, he disclosed himself to us. So I don't have to worry about your God or someone else's vision of God. When I draw near to him, near to him he's going to disclose himself to me. And guess what? God's changed since I first came in. My, my vision of God, I know him differently. I know him better. It's changed. It continues to change. And that's the spiritual experience of the spiritual awakening. And how do you know if you're honestly seeking him? Where are you in the book? Are you working with someone else? Are you doing prayer and meditation all the time? So, I don't know about you, but this uh, chapter is just so, so powerful. And so, uh, we'll end it and we'll pick up with uh, how it works on uh, Wednesday night. Thank you.